Good morning. How are you? Good. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's wonderful to be here. As Pastor Mark said, we tried to come up a, a few times over the last three years, I think. And uh, finally, we're here, and uh, it's good to be here. I've got to tell you, though, if you're from Melbourne, it's good to be anywhere. We, we, we are the lockdown central. We hold the world record uh, for the longest lockdowns literally across the world. Like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So to be anywhere is wonderful, uh, but to be here at Emerge is, is just, just uh, such a joy. Uh, my wife Sally and I, uh, uh, every time we come up, we just love uh, Pastor Mark and Nina and all of your team. Had a great day yesterday. And uh, you're, you are still as good looking as you were. That's good. That's wonderful. And uh, it is a great privilege to be with you. Enjoyed the time yesterday with the leadership and teams. I just want to say, um, you, are, you are in a great place. If you're connected here at Emerge, uh, you are in a great place, whether it's here in this campus or out at uh, Redcliffe. Good morning to everyone out at Redcliffe with Pastor Dave. Hey, come on, give them a good shout out at Redcliffe. Awesome. And uh, what a great thing. One thing the pandemic helped is uh, just getting everything online. And so for those that may be watching online that can't actually be at a campus, uh, we just welcome you into the service as well. I, I, I'm coming on a mission of reminding. I'm coming on a mission this morning um, where I, I know I'm preaching the, to the converted um, because you're actually here uh, in the service this morning. But, but what's on my heart, what God laid on my heart so heavily uh, for this morning's service uh, is the fact that we have to be so careful not to take precious things for granted. Uh, and it's so easy to do that. My wife and I just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. <laughs> and we did it well. We did it well. We went into a fancy hotel in town and all that. But I'll tell you, every time we have an anniversary, I, am, I, I reflect on how it's so easy for me to take my wife Sally for granted. And I've got to tell you, apart from my salvation, she's the greatest gift that God has ever given to me. Um, but it's so easy to take those that are so precious and so close to us for granted. And uh, Pastor Mark's leaning into Pastor Nina right now going, it's true, I'm sorry, I repent. <laughs> Think about what's happening around the world right now. We take our freedom in a Western country for granted. People are leaving their homes, being bombed indiscriminately. And here we are in Western country in Australia, so blessed. But how often do we sit back and go, wow, we are blessed and how grateful should we be? And so many areas we take for granted. But can I tell you, there's one thing we must never take for granted. And that is when God places us in a healthy local church. God help us never to take for granted the power of the local church. And so I'm here to remind you today on a mission from God that if you're here, part of this church, you, you are part of something great. Three of you agree. I'm telling you this morning, you are part of something great. It doesn't mean that the church is perfect. It doesn't mean your pastors and leaders are perfect, but you are part of something awesome, something wonderful, something so great. And what a privilege we have that we must never, ever take that for granted. If you think biblically, you know, the, the church is described in so many different ways. Talk about the bride of Christ. 
talking about the hope of the world. Jesus saying there's only one thing he's going to build. God said, I will build my church. And not that he's going to build a conference, not that he's going to build an album, not that he's going to build a business, not that he's going to build this, build that. No, he said, my focus is I'm going to build my church because my church is the hope of the world. Why is God so committed? Why is Jesus so committed? What is so great about the local church? And I think the answer to that is the local church is the one place that God has promised when we are planted in the church that we will flourish. Our connection with the local church is actually one of the most important decisions we can make in our entire lives. A healthy connection in a healthy church means that every area of our life can actually flourish in a supernatural way. Psalm 92 verse 12, we're gonna go to the Word of God, so before we do that, we should pray. (laughs) Father, we thank you. You're in this place because you're always attracted to faith. You're always attracted to hungry hearts. So I pray right now that, Lord, your Word will just live in our hearts. I thank you that God, as your word comes now by the power of your spirit, that God, faith will rise and that God, hope will rise, that vision will rise, that Lord, we'll be better because we've sat under the ministry of your word through the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Psalm 92. From verse 12, it says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted. Everyone say planted. Planted. Some of you said planted. (laughs) It's not planted. It's planted. Everybody say planted. Planted. Thank you. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Thank God for that. I don't want to grow old and grumpy. I don't want to grow old and stale. Thank God if I'm planted, I can be fresh and I can be green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. There are a few big words in that short verse. The first big word is that word flourish. The Hebrew word there is pokrach, which is not pronounced correctly, but I just needed you to know I'd looked it up. What it means is this, to show buds or to sprout, to send out shoots and to blossom. So what God is saying, to flourish is not just about being strong and healthy. He wants all of us to be strong and healthy. That's what salvation's all about, to be rescued and placed into a position of, of life. But he said, no, it's more than being strong and healthy. It's about being able to actually produce new life, to actually multiply, to actually expand. A tree that can't produce fruit is actually gonna die and it'll be done. But thank God, God says, no, 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 I want your life to expand. I want your life to make a difference. I want your life to actually have an influence beyond your own time frame. So God says, I want you to flourish. The second big word in that verse is the word, the house, the house of the Lord. Please note, he did not say the hotel. Planted in the house of the Lord, not the hotel of the Lord. You see, when you're planted in a house, 
well, you're committed to that house. You're invested in that house. You care for that house. You keep that house tidy. You, you, you invest, you maintain that house. And you invite others into that house. You raise people up in that house. Your house is important. Your hotel isn't. A hotel, you just come and go. And you'll never go back if you don't like it. The staff aren't friendly. The bed's no good. No, I'm not going back. My goodness, Pastor Mark and Lena, they put me in a wonderful hotel. Thank you. But it's not the hotel of the Lord. It's the house of the Lord. And the big other big word in there is planted. Planted, not potted. See, here's the thing. If you are planted, and think about it in a garden. There's a significant thing. If you are planted in a garden, number one, you have actually been positioned. You've been placed there. Not your choice. The gardener chose. And you're planted somewhere because the gardener knows that when you are planted, your roots can go down deep. When you're planted, your roots can find the nutrition that they need. When you're planted, when the winds come and the storms come, those roots that can go out deep and broad, they're going to hold you firm. When you're planted, you're not vulnerable. You are actually going to grow and you're going to complement all of the rest of the garden around about. And so the Word says we need to be planted in the house of the Lord, not potted. There's a big difference between planted and potted. You see, here's the thing. If you are potted by definition, a potted plant is vulnerable. A potted plant is automatically restricted. Automatically. I've got to tell you, people sometimes give my wife and I a pot plant as a gift. And if a pot plant ever comes into our house, I have to take it aside very quickly and have a little chat. I have to say, look, you look like a nice little plant and that's a really fancy little pot you've got. But I've got to tell you, I'm I'm so sorry, but your days are limited. You're ultimately going to die. We won't do it deliberately, but you will die. I am sorry, because you're a pot plant. And when you're a pot plant, your roots can't spread out. When when winds come, and big winds, I go out on the balcony and and pots are blown over and and, and everything's vulnerable. When when you're potted, you, you are so limited to the amount of nutrients you can get. If somebody doesn't fertilize you, you see, you're high maintenance in a pot. If somebody doesn't fertilize you, you don't have the nutrients. If somebody doesn't water you, come along personally and water you, water that plant, well, you're done. And and, and the the greatest tragedy is that in today's world, in Western society in particular, we have too many Christians that are not planted in the house. They're actually potted in the house. And when you're potted in the house, you are vulnerable. And the greatest tragedy being potted in the house is that you think you can just lift yourself up Pick up your little pot and move wherever you want to. And so what happens in the Christian world and the Western world is very, very simple. A potted believer comes into the church. They look around and say, oh, this is a nice church. But then something goes wrong. After a while, they think, oh, no, I don't like that preacher. He's too hard. He's too firm. He, he touched something. I don't, I, I'm out of here. Pick up their pot. And off they go into another church and they sit there and they say, oh, pastor, you're wonderful and you're awesome. But then, oh, sister Bertha said something to my wife and upset my wife. Oh, and the kids ministry here, it's no good. Oh, no, no, I'm not planted in this place. I'm actually, I'm I'm taking my pot, I'm out of here. And off they go to another place. Friends, can I tell you, that's not what God ever intended. God did not say, be potted. God said, be planted. And here are the benefits. When we are planted, what's so great What's so great about being planted? The local church is the house of God is where we actually encounter God. 
on a consistent level. Now, I'm not saying we can, we can meet with God anywhere. I met God out in the desert. Nobody there, no preacher, no band, no preaching. God came. We can meet God anywhere, in a subway, in a train, in the bathroom, anywhere. God's awesome. But I tell you, there's something unbelievably wonderful about when we meet God consistently as a family in the house of God. Matthew 21, verse 13, Jesus said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. I don't know, I used to read that, and I, I, I guess I had a religious mindset. And, you know, you think, well, it'll be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. And we think about it, we say, well, what does house of prayer mean? It means, well, you will come in and we'll, we'll pray and we'll be, you know, we'll be very, you know, oh, we'll think about God. No, no. It, prayer is an exchange. Prayer is a divine exchange. It's where we present ourselves before God and God leans into us. And so when Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer, he's saying it will be a house of exchange. It will be a divine encounter zone. And every time we come together in a, in a family atmosphere of worship, that's exactly what's happening. We have an opportunity to encounter with the very presence of God. And I'm not talking in a ooky pooky kind of sort of mystical, super spiritual way. I'm talking about we encounter God every time we worship God. You know, when we worship God, everything changes. And I'm not talking about karaoke worship. I'm talking about when, when you open up your heart through the vehicle of praise. When you don't just let the team do it for you, but wherever you are, whether you're out in Redcliffe, whether you're on the back row, the middle row, the front row, it's an open heart. That's what God's looking for. Well, when we worship God with an open heart, everything shifts. Something shifts in you. Something shifts in me. I'm telling you, the moment we press that worship button, boom, it's like something shifts in me, something shifts in you, and then the atmosphere around about us changes because you've lifted your spirit, others have lifted their spirit, and I tell you, when we as a combined family start to worship God, it's not just the atmosphere in us, it's not just the atmosphere around, the atmosphere of heaven changes. God leans in and God is able to do things. I'm telling you, don't ever lose the wonder of worship. Don't ever lose your hunger for worship. We encounter God through the Word of God. My goodness, what does the Bible say? My Word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide. It's able to penetrate. I know if I were to sit down with each one of you, you would be able to tell me like I could of countless times where the Word of God either through song or through the ministry of preaching or through a prophetic utterance, the Word of God has gone like an arrow, boom, straight into your heart. And you're sitting there and suddenly it's like, oh, I get that now, I got that. Maybe it's revelation, maybe it's guidance, maybe it's peace. But the Word of God is no longer a monologue coming through a human vehicle, but it's a supernatural, powerful, spiritual encounter with God Himself. Thank God for the Word. Thank God when we gather in the house of God. Someone can come and you may have a need, but we can lay hands and we can pray for you. Maybe it's to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Maybe it's just you just need counsel. Maybe it's for healing. My goodness, never, ever underestimate. Never, ever, ever discount the wonder of being able to come and say, would you pray with me? Would you lay your hands upon me? I need an impartation. I need grace. I need power. Whatever it is. And hey, it's in this place. More than any other, the people are able to find Christ. 
It's in the house of God. We, we can all be evangelists. We can all witness. And yes, we can all lead others to Christ. And it may be a subway. It may be a train. It may be at your home. It may be in a restaurant. But can I tell you where most people still get saved? It's in the local church. Can I tell you, can I encourage, are you still hungry to be in the house of God? Now, I know, I know I'm preaching to the converted, but I want to stir you this morning. I want to stir you because I remember what it was like when I was first saved. Mate, the week was so long, so long. Monday, Tuesday, oh, I want to get to Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, when's Sunday coming? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, tomorrow, come on! And tell you, because all I wanted to do, I knew how broken I was. I knew how God had saved me. I knew how much I needed His Word. I knew how much the atmosphere, and I just wanted to be in the house of God. Friends, don't lose the wonder. Don't lose the wonder. You are part of something great because we can encounter God in this place. You're part of something great because it's in church. It's in the local church that we can build relationships that will enrich our lives. Relationships. Do you know, we, we, we now exist, it's, it's so crazy. We live in the most connected generation that the world has ever known. Our iPhones, whatever you've got, you can just press a button and boom, talk to anybody anywhere across the world. Uh, we follow thousands of people on Instagram and TikTok. I don't even know what TikTok is. I'm so old, TikTok's what a clock does. Like it's just TikTok, 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 TikTok. And that's a mechanical clock, like... <laughs> We are so connected in this generation more than any other generation. But at the same time, we are the most disconnected generation that has ever lived. There are more people in Western world living on their own now by choice than ever before in history. More single bedroom places are being built now than ever before. We are a disconnected. We need relationship. And thank God, when we come into the life of a local church, we have an opportunity to build that relationship. John 1, 12 and 13 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The beautiful thing about the church is we are not an organization. We are not a club. We are family. We have been born again, and then God places us in the life of a church so that we can experience what his picture, what his vision of family really is. I tell you, I don't know what kind of family you come from. I don't know what your background may be. It may be, it may be traumatic. It, it may be like disconnected. It may be, it may be broken in so many different ways. But I'm telling you, when God places us in the church, we have an opportunity to experience real family the way God always wanted it to be. And I tell you, we need that. We need one another. You know, over in the Eastern world, there's a saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. It's so true. It's true in the church. It takes more than the pastor preaching. It takes much more than just a, a daily Bible study reading. It takes brothers and sisters to cause us to grow. 
When I, when I was first born again, I've, I've shared my testimony before, before I came to Christ, I had a, a pretty consistent drug habit. And uh, I was uh, just always on alcohol, always blowing my mind out with some kind of drug. And when I got born again, all the hard stuff, cocaine, the heroin, it, it just disappeared. But I kept on smoking the weed. And uh, I, I was terrible. I, I self-justified it because I said, God, I'm sure this is what helped me become more aware of you. And I thought, I'm not doing anybody any harm. And it doesn't seem to be doing any harm. And so I'd just have a little smoke of weed and I'd read the Bible and like all that stuff. Uh, uh, but I started to get convicted under the preaching. And uh, so I started asking God, God, is this okay if I still keep smoking a little bit of weed on the side? I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to someone today. No, just kidding. <laughs> But, but I started to get convicted and asked the question, should I thank God for the Holy Ghost? Yes. Who starts to convict when there's something that's not quite right? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Um, but I, I, I did the right thing. I started to search through Scripture. I went to the concordance. I looked up marijuana, wasn't there. I looked up cooch, wasn't there. I looked up weed, hashish, all that. What? Nothing wasn't there. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> kept on smoking, kept, you know, just, just subtly on the side, just, just me and God. Holy hell. <laughs> but then I was still convicted about it. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. If you don't have a piece about something, you better start asking God, is this sweet or is this wrong? I'm not talking about whether it's dope. I'll get to that. But any area in our lives, if, if, you, if you've lost your peace, you need to stop. You need to ask God, God, is there something I need to do here? Is there something I need to adjust here? Because God doesn't ever want any of us living in less than what he has for us. But I was part of a connect group and our, our, um, our leader was a man of God. He was so on fire. Joe was his name. He was awesome. Everything was praise God. Hallelujah. It was all, whew, so weird. But I loved him. Like I'm a new convert. I'm thinking this man's full of the Holy Ghost. So one day I, I, I rocked up the courage. I sat next to him. I said, Joe, um, I, I, can you help me? Like, I'm, 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 I've, worked, I've worked through the Bible and this and that and this and that. And I can't find anything. I'm still having a little smoke of weed every now and again. And uh, I'm sure it's okay. I can't find a scripture. What do, what do you think, Joe? Like, you're, you're a godly man. What do you think? And I'll never forget the pastoral advice of Brother Joe. He looked at me and he just said, Dave, you're an idiot. <laughs> says, what do the scriptures say about getting drunk? And I said, I knew that one. Oh, no, I don't do that anymore. You know, don't do, get drunk with wine because that leads to excess and you get into all kinds of trouble. He said, no, I've given up drinking, Joe. He says, well, don't you think it's probably the same principle? You're created in the natural sense that God can move in the greatest way that he wants to move. And you're now saying, okay, you don't drink, but you're smoking drugs, you're taking drugs. What do they do? Oh, I repent. <laughs> but I needed Joe. I didn't need a pastor. The pastor wasn't going to get off the platform. I needed Joe to speak into my life. And we all need that. We need others around about us who are going to fight for us, who are going to stand with us in the hard times. I've been through hard times. You've been through hard times. And I'm telling you, the harder they get, the more I love the local church because I know there's somebody praying for me. I know there's somebody standing with me. And I know that if the enemy ever tries to touch me, he's got to come through my family first. You know, when I was a kid, I used to watch the old gangster movies. I love them. You know, the mafia stuff going on down in Italy and all that kind of thing. And uh, I, used to, I used to love them. There's always a scene somewhere in that mafia movie where, you know, the godfather or whatever will call over Mario. Hey, Mario, come here, Mario, Mario, come, come, come. Mario, you're a good boy. I like you, Mario, slap on the face. Mario, my mama, your mama, they're good friends. Mario, I watch you grow up. Mario, you're a good boy. You're, I like you, Mario, but Mario, 
I know you work with a Luigi. <laughs> Luigi, I know. Luigi, he can be a bit difficult, you know. I understand, but Mario, you gotta understand, Mario. Luigi, he's my cousin. He's my family. Mario, you touch Luigi, you touch me. Mario, you touch me, I'm gonna smash your face so hard. Family. Family. Now, I'm not saying we, you know. <laughs> but I am saying when God places us in a spiritual family, we are there for one another. And when somebody's going through it, we need to be praying for them. When somebody's going through it, we need to be able to stand with them. We need to help them in whatever way that we possibly can. We're placed in a family. You know, my wife and I have gone through struggles. Some of you know the story. We lost our home. We lost everything that we owned in a fire. We've gone through cancer. We've gone through broken marriages in our extended family. We've gone through times where you just wonder, can you really get up and preach again? Can you really get up and go again? I want to tell you, it's then you realize the strength and the power of a family in a local church. But you've got to choose family. You've got to say, no, I'm going to get connected. I'm not going to just come and go to a service. I'm going to be connected. Get connected in your groups. Get connected on a team somewhere and let relationships start to develop. Because you're part of something great. But it's not just about encountering God's presence, not just about family. It's also about there's room for every generation. How awesome is that? There are not many places like the local church where every single generation is welcome, loved, honored, and appreciated. Think about it. Do you know one of my most scariest days of all my life was when I sent our firstborn daughter off to kindergarten? I was terrified. Because up until then, we had complete control over her environment. We knew the homes that she went to. We knew she, the children that she played. We knew what television programs she was watching, what books she was watching. We controlled her entire environment. But the day that we sent her off to kindergarten, I was handing her over to someone else. And I ultimately did not know what sort of atmosphere, what sort of environment she was going to go into. But the one thing that brought my wife and I comfort in that time was this, knowing this, before we ever released her into kindergarten, we had raised her in the house of God. That from the youngest of age, she knew what it was, even in the womb, to enjoy worship. She became familiar, even as a young baby, even as a young child, with the presence of God. She went off to kids' um, programs, and she was taught the Word of God. She was nurtured and cared for by people who loved her, who wanted to speak good things, build her up, do her good. So I knew through the investment of the local church, Jesus said what? Let the little children come to me. And I want to tell you, you, you need to go to your children's workers. You need to go to the department. And if you haven't done it lately, put your arm around those teams and say, thank you. Not because they're minding the little blessed children during the service, but because they're investing in them, because they're nurturing them. It's not a child-minding program. It's the nurturing of the youngest child. And it's in those years that are so informed. Thank God our children can be familiar with the presence of God, can know the truth of God from the youngest of age. And then it's the youth. But hey, there's room for the oldies too. Come on. There's room for every generation. We read it there in that psalm. It said, you're going to bear fruit in old age. You're not going to become old and stale and grumpy. You're going to be fresh and green. 
But isn't it a challenge sometimes for generations to come together? I mean, I, 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 I struggle sometimes. I remember as a pastor, some of the songs that young people wanted to sing in church. Did you sing Ooh La La? Ooh La La, Ooh La La, when I let go and I sing Ooh La La, Ooh La. When they first sang that song in church, I didn't know they were going to do it. I'm sitting in the front row and I'm going, Really? So we've gone from how great thou art <laughs> to ooh la la. <laughs> ooh la la, ooh la la. And I'm there rehearsing what I'm going to say to the worship leader. I'm rehearsing the meeting on Tuesday morning. Um, you will never play that song again. That is so carnal. That is so this. That is so that. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? And God speaks to me. I can't tell you the exact word I think he said to me, but it was basically this. You've turned into an old, stale, grumpy. I sat, I sat there shocked. I sat there shocked. But I looked around and I looked at the young people and I looked at a lot of the congregation and, and, and they were sort of, a lot of the congregation was sort of a bit sort of unsure about this new song. Young people were going for it. God speaks to me, say, you just got old and grumpy. Get over it. People are worshiping me through this thing. So do you know what I had to do at the end of the service? I got up at the end of the service. I said, hey, you know, before we leave the service today, we're going to sing that new song again. And I said, I'll tell you why. Because I don't like that song. <laughs> But God spoke to me and said, hey, we need to loosen up in this place. We need to understand it's okay to have a bit of fun. We need to understand that, you know, God will use all sorts of vehicles to get our hearts open and that's start focusing on Him. So we're going to get up and we're going to sing, ooh la la. And we did the actions and everything. It was awesome. You know, as an old person, I look at ripped jeans and I think, what? <laughs> like, ripped jeans? When I grew up, if they got ripped, you threw them out or you fixed them. Now people pay a fortune to wear ripped jeans. It's just crazy. And the danger is that the older generation, we look at the young and we go, oh, they're crazy. They're mad. What are they doing? But we've got to learn to honor the young generation, the energy that they have, the faith that they have, the boundaries that they're prepared to break that we've accepted. But it's the same with us, with the young people. Young people, can I encourage you, whether it's here or whether it's out there at Redcliffe, don't you ever look at an old person and wonder, what can they give to me? What have they got to offer me? What would they know? I'm telling you, they know a lot more than you know because they've been through a lot more seasons. And the greatest thing you can do as a young person is go to one of the senior members of the church and be able to say, hey, can I take you out for coffee? I want you to speak into my life. Tell me about your story. Tell me about your miracles. Because I'm telling you, we can grow up and all we will be able to say is, hey, God is upright. He is my rock. There is no, he is a wonder. I'm telling you, the generations together are so powerful. That's what I love about your church here. The blending of so many generations. I love going to a young, vibrant church. But if it's just one generation, there's something missing. Fight for your generational unity. Fight for it because it's a strength you have, but you can lose it. You're part of something great. But it's not just about what happens in the church. It's what happens through the church. And I love the fact that, hey, the local church, I'm going to invite the musicians to come if you would. The local church is a place where, where we can know that we're making a difference that is so much greater together than what we could ever make on our own. 
Think about the difference that you are making as a church in this area. Think about the difference that you're making as a local church in missions around the world. You could never do that on your own, but because we're partnering together. Some people have the concept that, you know, the local church, if you interviewed people in the world, some people would say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's just for wounded, dysfunctional people. You know, you've heard that. They'll say, Christianity is just a crutch because you couldn't cope in life. And so it's just wounded people coming together, having a party, encouraging one another. Some people would say, well, the local church is just like a, it's like a self-help program. It's like, you know, 10 steps to a better life. And, and they've got this thinking that, that that's all it is. But the reality is that, that God says, no, the local church is actually the answer to the world. The local church isn't just a place to find healing and strength, though that is true. That's exactly what we need. It's also a place to find empowerment and to find purpose. And that's the beauty of the local church, that through our connection with the local church, we can grow, we can discover our gifts, and we can start to make a difference around about us. I think of this pandemic you know, so much of fear, so much confusion, so much loss, a dark, dark time. But I don't know about you, but I think it's true that the darker the night, the brighter the stars shine. And I'm pretty sure that in this world, God has placed us as a light. Jesus said that, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Why? It's before that others may see your good deeds. And I'll glorify your Father who's in heaven. We've got an opportunity through the local church. Do you know what I love? I love going to bed at night knowing that just through my financial partnership with what the church is doing, even while I'm sleeping, I'm helping change the world. <laughs> even while I'm sleeping, children are being fed over in India and Africa and Thailand. Even while I'm sleeping, wells are being put into villages in places where there's no fresh water. Even while I'm sleeping, schools are being built and children are coming in. Even while I'm sleeping, people are being rescued out of sexual slavery and they're finding new life and new skill while I'm sleeping. Why? Because I'm partnering with the local church. We are part of something great. We're part of something awesome. Let's never ever take it for granted. Let's never think it's just about rocking up on a Sunday, maybe serving a little bit during the week. No, no, no. We are part of God's answer. And what a privilege it is. Here's a checklist I want you to go through. To know that you're planted, you talk differently. You don't talk about the church. You talk about my church. And, and it's not about will I go to church. It's about... Well, of course I will. <laughs> it's raining, so. I'm tired, so. I've had a bad week, so. <laughs> when you're planted, it's your church, it's my church, and I will be there. If it's possible to be there, I will be there because I need to be there, I want to be there, and there are others that I want to encourage and I want to bless. When you're planted, you start serving. You know, participators are always happier and healthier than spectators. And there's got to come a time where you have a revelation to say, I'm not coming along to church just to be blessed. I'm not coming just to receive. I want to be part of the people that are building the local church. When you're planted, you're giving. You're giving. You bring the whole tithe in. You're not tipping. <laughs> You've made a decision to say, no, 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 my finances can make a difference and I'm going to honor God. I'm going to bless God with my tithe. When you're planted, you're bringing. 
You're not afraid to say, hey, you need to come to church. When you're planted, it's like saying a child at school saying, come home to my place to play. (laughs) When you're planted, you're so proud of your church. You're so committed to the church. You can say to anyone, hey, why don't you come to my church? Because God does awesome things. and My preacher's brilliant and the worship's incredible. Not perfect, but brilliant. When you're planted, you're happy to bring people in. And when you're planted, you're happy to partner reaching around the world. Can I ask you to stand with me this morning? My time's short this morning. I've got to get in the car and we're heading off to another campus. So I'll be back tonight though. And tonight I'm hoping that God can allow us to spend time to minister and to just really pray for people tonight. But before I close, I want you to just, would you, would you reach out your hands this morning? And I want to just pray a blessing over you. That if you're planted in this house, you'll know what it is to truly, truly flourish. So Father, I lift up my hands over this house and I pray your blessing. I pray, Father, that God is every man, every woman, young person. Father, those that have already made the decision, I pray they continue to go on the journey of being planted in the house of the Lord. Lord, to find their place, to find their family, to find their ministry, to find how they can partner. And God, as they do that, I speak blessing and favour that their lives may flourish. And I pray for those, Lord, this morning, whether it's out at Redcliffe online or here in the house. Father, that... God, if we've not yet made up that mind, maybe, maybe that's okay for a while. But God, I pray for those who need to make the decision. I pray that by grace, a revelation will come to say, no, I can't afford to be potted. I can't afford to be temporary. I'm gonna put my roots down in this place that God has positioned me. And I pray as they make that call, Father, there'll be such a peace, such a, such a revelation of faith. This is where God wants me. That God, everything shall begin to flow. Blessing and grace in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen and amen. God bless you this morning. Look forward to being back tonight. And uh, Jason's going to lead us in ooh-la-la. No, 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 no. No, no, no.